This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, a corporate visions company. Through our platform, True Voice, we're bringing you automated win, loss, and no decision analysis at scale so you can find and fix seller blind spots in near real time. With automated customer feedback from every opportunity, you'll uncover what buyers truly care about when purchasing, what your competitors are doing to adapt, and how the experience with your sales reps impact win rates. With this new insight, your sellers automatically receive the right science-backed sales training from Corporate Visions based on their individual strengths and weaknesses. It's time to get more from your win-loss analysis. True Voice moves you from just-in-case to just-in-time coaching and training. Visit us at www.truevoice.io and start winning more today. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me, Ryan Queller, for another edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence, a corporate visions company. Hey listeners, we're busy working on some new exciting episodes of the Sales Intelligence Weekly podcast, so make sure you're subscribed so you get notified as those episodes release. This week, however, we're bringing you the replay of a past session with our customer, Central Square Technologies, where we explore how you can use win-loss to inspire action, alignment, and change within your organization. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you for joining us to, to talk about this, uh, what, what I hope is going to be, and I think is going to be a great conversation, uh, specifically around uh, how win-loss analysis can inspire emphasis on the word is inspire, action and alignment throughout your organization. And as Johnny was mentioning a minute ago, uh, we have this panel of, of awesome, right? Our, our friends from Central Square Technologies, that, that's going to help us with this conversation. Welcome, everyone. Let's start with, uh, let's start with maybe some introductions. Maybe we'll go uh, Colin and then Justin and then Matt. Does that work? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having us, guys. We really appreciate it. We're excited for the the discussion. I'm Colin Ruane. I'm the director of product marketing here at Central Square. I've been with Central Square for probably about two years. Um, my background is um, overall in, in in marketing from a consumer perspective, um, but more recently um, B2G software, obviously with with Central Square. And I can give a little bit more background on Central Square in a little bit, but uh, I'll hand it off to to Matt. Thanks, Colin. So yes, Matt Cordy. I am the vice president of public administration sales at Central Square. I've been with the company for about a year but been in tech sales for about 24 years. Uh, my other time was spent at PTC, Oracle, and Elucian, and I'm uh, really happy to be with you today. Thank you. Justin. Hey, everybody. My name is Justin Murphy. I'm the vice president of product, so really going to stick with the alignment part where it falls to how we respond to some of this data. Um, I've been at Central Square for 10 years. Um, prior to that, I worked also in... Um, in a local government job. So very excited to talk to you about how, you know, this isn't just um, sales and revenue, but also has a lot of product driving driven decisions too. And Justin can't disclose where he is. He's currently in witness protection. <laughs> and That's so right. just don't ask. Yeah. He's he's with us. Glad yeah, you're safe, so I'm sure this blur, this blur is hiding my safety. Like, That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, team. Uh, you know, Colin, tell us a little bit more about Central Square. I heard public administration. You know, what is it you all do? What is you? Yeah. What is it that you sell? Tell us about us. Yeah, sure. So, so Central Square is a leading provider of um, technology and software solutions for the public sector. So, 
uh, for us, it's it's all about connecting communities um, with their local agencies, whether it's a government agency on our public administration side or a public safety agency on our public safety side. So we're really serving two parts of the local sec uh, government sector, which is um, you know, public safety. So your police agencies, fire, EMS, and those solutions are really more focused on how can we help them respond to incidents faster um, with certain technologies um, that some of you might not be familiar with, but things like um, uh, computer-aided dispatch. Uh, so when you think of like, um, you know, when you call 911, what happens to that call once it goes through to activating the uh, police officer or fire to respond to the incident, all the way back through how we track the data that's collected from that incident and reporting it back to a national database or using it for analytics um, going forward. So we really are like a one-stop shop, I think, for the public safety side. We've got a public safety suite product called Pro, uh, as well as Enterprise um, and a bunch of other products that are really, really built for public safety folks to use to just really be able to kind of serve their community better and ultimately um, you know, help them be safe and respond to incidents as quickly as possible. On the other half of our business is our, our public administration um, side, which is really more focused on local government. Um, so when you think of your local town or city government, everything from helping them manage their financial um, enterprise and, and, and documents and, and, and revenue um, all the way down to, you know, permitting for needing to go to do inspections on a, a, a building site, all the way down to managing assets within your community. So fire hydrants, uh, water, sewer, things like that. So anything that's really needed to get anything done within a, a local municipality slash government, um, that's where our public administration suite and software uh, come into action. So we're really, you know, we've got 8,000 customers who are all fantastic. We're really dedicated to our mission of really kind of bringing communities together. Um, you know, our tagline is really more about, you know, safer, smarter, more connected communities. And we live and breathe that every day um, and appreciate all of our customers who are along with us for the ride. So. And there's a high likelihood that there are listeners on the call today that are benefiting from your yeah. soft, your wares in their municipality. So thank Absolutely you for right. your efforts, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. And I think you know, one stat really quick um, that you can even see on our, on our website, centralsquare.com, which is, I think it's really about three-fourths of citizens in the U.S. somehow are in, impacted by one of our software uh, products, which I think is a really cool cool stat. So. That's very cool. All right. I'm going to stop sharing because this is going to be conversational and, and you know, I, I want people to uh, be able to see our beautiful, beautiful faces, um, <laughs> emphasis on beautiful faces. Uh, but anyway, well, well guys, thanks for joining us today and listeners, if you do have questions, don't forget to drop them into the chat. Uh, Johnny will be helping us answer those live. And then at the, we're going to save a few minutes at the end for the Q and a, and we'll try to get to any of those questions that we failed to get to live at the Q and a, and maybe we'll circle back. I don't know. Let's see how it goes. All right. Let's, let's dive into this. Shall we? All right. Tell us more about how you're Colin. Tell us about how you're leveraging win loss at central square technologies. Let's start there. Yeah, for sure. So um, I can give a kind of a brief history of our program, which actually we've been using primary intelligence really back, I think towards 2018, 2019. Um, but we were really, had been doing um, in terms of a win-loss program was using our own data. Uh, so meaning Salesforce data that our sales reps would um, put in you know, to their record for a particular win or a loss. So um, if a rep went out and there was a, there was a win, there's a option for him to really put, there, these are the reasons why we won. We out, you know, performed a competitor. Um, we had a functionality that they just loved, all these things. Um, and that was really the crux of the data that we used to provide insights and analysis to our broader organization. Um, but what 
we weren't getting, which we are now getting with private intelligence is two things. Um, objectivity, um, meaning we're not just talking to ourselves and taking kind of our own thoughts of why we lost a deal or won a deal. Um, it's way more objective directly from the buyer, which we can talk a little bit more about from the survey process perspective and interviews. And secondly, it's it's actionable, right? So being able to kind of really take insights and make them actionable, which is what um, the prime intelligence team has helped us immensely with. So about a year, maybe a little under a year ago in June of 2022, we stopped ourselves and said, what can we do more with our partnership with prime intelligence and kind of um, our approach to our win-loss program and reevaluate and re-examine how we make this more objective, more actionable, emphasis on actionable. Um, so we're not just kind of taking data from our Salesforce um, platform and then presenting it. You know, it, it really wasn't driving action as much as we thought it could be. So um, we brought on um, basically an analysis with Mike Grozy and Anthony from your team, who I did want to give a huge shout out to. They're unbelievable partners. And we basically you know, approached you guys and said, can we make you a little bit more of a consultant um, in addition to just really being able to tackle and, and use your, your, your data through True Voice. And I think you all uh, took that challenge on with, you know, complete gusto. And um, we've been able to really pull you into quarterly readouts that we do with our executive leadership team um, that is providing the level of detail, analysis, insight that then result in true actions that we hadn't had before. Um, and we're also getting the objectivity from, from our, our buyer feedback that we had kind of used but on a complementary scale. So now it's really more going away from our own Salesforce data and replacing it with the data that you guys provide, which is purely from our buyers and not just from notes in a, in a Salesforce record. A couple of follow-up questions first. Okay, you, you're moving from, you've moved from using just your own internal data, own, own internal reported win-loss data, which most organizations have inside mm -hmm. of Salesforce or whatever CRM they're using to using a third party, like uh, using us uh, yeah. as your vendor of choice. W why? Why did you Why did you see that necessary to move from your own data to, you know, getting it from the voice of, the, of your customer? Yeah. So I think, you know, again, going back to the objectivity of it, I think it, it really, it's it's super valuable to have the feedback from the, directly from the buyer and putting that into data as opposed to taking the time to go through individual notes within Salesforce, that's another part of it, which is really labor intensive, right? So if we had a person on my team who was fully dedicated to doing win-loss, that would take them hours and hours of getting the data extracted, going through, providing their own analysis, whether it's, you know, tables or actual like, you know, qualitative and qualitative insights. Um, so the, the lift there that you guys provide and the level of detail that you can do instead of us is a complete game changer. Um, and I think also, um, the fact that, you know, we've really treated you guys as a part of our team, um, and you've, you've completely taken that on. Um, and, and, and it's almost as if like Anthony, Mike, and the team are really central square employees. I mean, they are in, in these calls with our CEO, our leadership team, including Matt and Justin, um, explaining the data, having the conversations, giving feedback, giving thoughts about Hey, if this is a piece of analysis that that is what is a pricing, you guys should go do X, Y, Z, or think about X, Y, Z as questions separately in your pricing department to kind of address those things. So um, it's been a true partnership and a unique one where I think you guys really are a part of our internal team. Um, and some people actually question, you know, is is Nicole from from Prime Intelligence is she part of your team? Or and I have to correct them and say no, she's actually Prime Intelligence. But that's how I think in sync 
this partnership has gotten, which is amazing. So I love that, Matt. I'm curious from a sales perspective, you know, what have you seen uh, as Collins asked primary intelligence to be uh, and invited us to be more con- consultative with your organization? What have you seen from a sales leader perspective? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to let you in a little secret. Uh, salespeople aren't perfect, right? Oh, so oh wait, hold think- on. No, <laughs> you, you so, lying. So if you think about what Colin just said is is using, you know, other data versus what our sales professionals are putting into the system. I mean, it, it's just, it's so much more beneficial, right? I mean, salespeople cut corners. They don't know. It's always not always accurate. Um, you know, I have specific examples where, you know, hearing customer statements has actually driven action. I don't know if I'll share that now, but as we get further along in the discussion, but, um, you know, again, it's always, it's nice to hear from the outside sources versus just from each other all the time. Yeah, for sure. And then Justin, from a product perspective, what, what have you seen? So that obje- that objectivity falls right into product sense too. Because to Matt's point, um, while we have a great relationship in listening to AEs and salespeople, they're incentivized not to focus too heavily long after these decisions are made either way, right? So when I get these to my team, I notice first off that sense of trust is elevated on what kind of data they're hearing, who's you know, where is it coming from this data? And then I just think in a reference driven business like ours is, that means the world. So um, it kind of echoing what they say, but really seeing the end effects in product. Oh my gosh. And if there was ever a poster child for reference driven business, holy moly, it's your industry. That's uh, correct. References yes. matter a ton. And what happens, I mean, if references are driving a lot of the business and they do, they Every time we do research, reference is a big part of it, um, but we don't have the opportunity to not listen to our customers in, in reference-driven businesses because that could have impact on future deals if something were to go south or if the product wasn't performing or you know we weren't doing things appropriately as, as a seller, that would have an impact on the market perception, which will impact deals in the future. So I love that call out, Justin Goldstar, you know, we'll, we'll let you back in. You no longer have to be in witness protection, but no, that was, that's a great call out. Okay. So let, let's do this, but before we get a little bit deeper, I want to, you all had a, a fairly interesting experience recently uh, when presenting to your, your, your PE firm. Is, is that right, Colin? Yeah. So um, our head of marketing, Melissa Pippen, um, was brought in as part of a kind of a CMO roundtable. So we are um, we are co-owned and backed by uh, Bain Capital and Vista Equity Partners. Um, and so Bain had a kind of a CMO summit of all their um, the companies that they they're involved with under their 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 umbrella. Brought them into Boston and had kind of like a share out of what are you doing that's really working for you guys that you want to share out. And each CMO kind of shared a piece of their business. They really felt that the other folks in the, the, the group could actually benefit from. And we chose to share what we've been doing with you guys and primary intelligence in terms of really transforming our win-loss program and bring, bringing it to the, the place where it is today, which is a hugely important part of all of our kind of our business strategy, corporate strategy. Um, and that was extremely well-received. Um, I think it was surprising um, to Melissa and myself how few of those companies actually even had a win-loss program in place. And I think um, what, you know, what I heard was after the CMO summit happened and after she had presented a couple of slides on, on what we're doing, um, she was immediately kind of, you know, surrounded by people wanting to learn more. And how do you, how did you do it? How can we get in touch with primary intelligence to learn more? 
How can we build up our own program? Um, and I think an important part of this that we've learned is like, you know, you don't have to have um, necessarily a, a huge team dedicated to support a win loss program because that's where you guys come in and you lean on, on you know, your CSM, your analyst, all, all, all the things that you guys do well to really be that win loss person um, who, again, we can kind of position internally. But that was a, a great experience for us. And I, I think um, hopefully generated some, some, some leads for you guys too. So it, it actually totally did. So, awesome. um, and, you know, if, just, just thank you for that and for the excitement sure. that you guys are carrying that way. So I, I want to get a little deeper. Let, let's get it, start getting into the meat here of the conversation. So what teams or team functions are maybe involved? You, you mentioned you don't have to have a massive team. You have quite a few people involved. And, and I want to mm -hmm. talk about this. You know, what are these teams that are involved in win-loss analysis and what does that involvement look like? Yeah, great question. So I think from a product marketing perspective, I look at our role as a quarterback, right? Quarterback in the program, making sure it's evolving, it's you know, performing as well as it, as it does. Um, but when we work with other groups cross-functionally, it's primarily sales, product, um, sales enablement, uh, pricing, um, even our, you know, our you know, uh, support services folks. We've really got almost like a, a cross section of all of our leadership that are on these quarterly calls where we present out some analysis each quarter and get a discussion going. But even from that, the follow-up actions that happen, um, we call them kind of like task forces, we'll dedicate them to those particular groups. But I would say sales product um, are, are probably the top organizations in terms of like what insights can really be actionable that'll impact that particular business, but it trickles down to everybody. I mean, we actually, we have HR involved as well. We've got, because. There are certain instances that come up that that will impact not just sales and product but really everybody so we're trying to make it as broad as possible um and trickle down to, to every part of the organization to be quite honest yeah that makes good sense justin from from a product perspective what's the involvement of the product team your team what's that look like yeah once they receive it so i guess i'll compare and contrast like in in days without a consistent form of getting this type of data um you'd have get inconsistent results, of course, right? So the product team would say, okay, well, we have this kind of win-loss data and this kind of market analysis, and let's try to make it mesh. And again, um, even when it was good in the past, it's kind of inconsistent format and stuff like that. So the product team getting results of losses actually lets product be more accountable in some ways, because now when they're making their calls on future roadmap, they're actually tying it to data that has had more of a circular um, accountability throughout the organization. So it's like, okay, well, if you're not gonna do X, Y, and Z thing that caused two losses, you have to explain it at a different level and you have to be more clear with the rest of the organization because ultimately as setting the priorities and making the best use of our resources, we have to see how it impacts win-loss, retention, a lot of the other things Colin talked about. So love that, it, side note, from a product perspective and Matt, we're going to get to sales, a vastly important part, you know, in sales here in a second, but I want to, I want to double down here with Justin just for a second. Um, making changes in product requires significant cycle, right there. That's not like a, Oh, I'm done. Like there's no genie in the bottle that you just rub the button and done the products over, you know, that's not how it works. What other, do you employ other data sources, other research, um, in conjunction with win loss to maybe ratify potential changes, or are you using literally win loss as your, your single source of, of truth? So no, not single source. I usually helpful source, but not single source, right? So you could even think of it as three different ways. There's general market research and 
Colin alluded to this earlier, we operate in a lot of verticals because the public sector needs a lot of verticals. So the research in a public works type of product could be completely different than a property tax utility. Oftentimes billing. it is, right? Very Oftentimes different. it totally yeah, is. Very, yeah. very different. So um, to answer your question, no, we absolutely need market research and we need a, a constant customer feedback cycle. But again, oftentimes we're finding that this validates because the customer feedback cycle, especially in such a reference driven and regional business, sounds a lot like the win loss analysis or a loss that's driven potentially, and hopefully this doesn't happen a lot, but a loss that's driven by um, references in a region. That lets us immediately zone in with the other data and kind of validate it and have much better, um, I would say, detailed propositions in proposing our roadmaps than in the past because we're able to, to back it with that kind of data. And you get better opportunity cost, you get to build better business cases than you did in the past. So it's it's usually helpful, but it's not the only element, of course, Ryan. So I'm so glad you said that. That would have made me super nervous. Yeah, we use just primary. <laughs> no, no, you, you have to, when you're talking about product, you have to use all, all of it. You know, you need all of the things, all of the research to help you make the decisions. I liked how you talked about um, using win-loss in product to really um, validate hypotheses or validate decisions that were made previously with product. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yep. Matt, let's get to you. Um, in win-loss analysis, mm -hmm. the research that we do, the thing that you can impact the most quickly are behaviors, human behaviors, right? Product takes a long time. Price takes a long time. Marketing takes a long time. You can impact behavior and sales motion and what you do in your demo and all of those things much more quickly. Says easy does hard, hard, changing human behavior, difficult. But I'm curious from your perspective, you know, um, you know, what's your functionality? Uh, what, what's how do you, you use? I just yep. said you, you, you a lot. How do you use? Uh, win loss in yeah, so I think what I like most about it is it I don't like to say force, but it forces collaboration, right? So it forces collaboration between Justin's group and our proposals group and services and marketing, as Colin said, everybody gets involved after it, right? So we leave with tasks. So it forces that collaboration because you're right, you can't change products quickly, but you can change messaging quickly. Right. So it gives us an opportunity to go back and take a look at are we messaging this in our proposals, in our value props, are our sales reps equipped to go and, and deliver the proper message and value uh, to the customer. So that's the way we use it. And, you know, as I mentioned to Colin before, you know, we had an example that came up from an interview. Um, one customer, I think, said, well, they didn't really understand our business. Like, oh. That's really hard to hear, especially in sales, right? Sales leadership, sales are, nobody wants to hear we don't understand your business. That's what we do. So we use that as an opportunity to, to relook the way we're enabling our sales force. And we just finished uh, a four session value selling um, workshop focusing on discovery to go back and address that. And that idea came from our last review we did with you folks. So um, that's how we use it. And we take it pretty seriously. Okay. So love this. And, and you just reminded me of, of my childhood. Um, so my dad would voluntold us to do things all the time. Right. So he wouldn't ask or, or ask if we would, no, he would say you're doing the thing right um, now. That's not what you're saying, but 
this 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 episode is really about that the show is really about uh, inspiring action and alignment and i heard forced it forced us not forced us but kind of forced us it made us look internally is this a source of inspiration i mean is this forced looking a source of inspiration yeah i mean well, so forced it just it forced us to come sure. together to be better right so it was like everybody had to participate um, I hate the word forced, by the way. I shouldn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that, totally. But, um, but it did bring us all together, honestly, to to just and it was an opportunity for us to all improve. So um, that's the way we used it. OK. And Ryan, this is the stuff that wasn't happening before we really dug in with you guys. I think it's really important to, to note that because when we think of action and inspiration, for sure, um, what Matt just walked through is a perfect example of, kind of what we're calling a closed loop process, which actually, you know, you guys and, and and I and Anthony and the team have really kind of tried to design together and we're implementing it now, which is let's not just use these quarterly calls with the full cross-functional team and our leadership to walk through a bunch of data and, and insights that essentially are never going to really drive action anywhere. And we would find, we would go from maybe a quarter to quarter and um, there was no real accountability. So what we did was we did a couple of things. One was we built in um, the first slide we get to before we go into any of the analysis that your team presents on these quarterly calls is a list of action items, right? So from the previous quarterly call, what did we learn that were actions? What's the status today? Are they complete? Are they in progress? And each stakeholder um, is responsible for providing that update. So Justin would provide an update on product. Matt would provide an update on sales. I provide an update on marketing. So it holds people accountable. And in the meantime, what we've done, we've removed the, like, dead zone of no communication or action between those quarterly calls by basically building these like call them task forces is what basically the, the 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 leaders and stakeholders within that particular task whether it's sales and even like matt just talked about then making sure that they get together talk have a plan and execute it and then provide an update they don't have to wait until the next quarterly call of course if it's a quick turnaround but um that closed loop process has helped hold ourselves accountable where before we would get great insights and data and it would kind of sink in and then the next you know, the next thing we're doing is we're all going back to our regular day jobs and we kind of forget what those action items were. So um, that's been a hugely beneficial process that you and your team helped us kind of think through and, and implement. So we call it the insights desert. So when, if you wait too long, it's like you're, you're going from oasis to oasis to oasis and it, it right. you know, you lose people. Oh, remember Jerry, uh, he didn't make it to the next oasis. And no, we, yeah. we need those insights, uh, an insights train, if you will. Uh, to to be continually rolling and in, in depositing these insights, kind of an ongoing basis. So that that's great. Now I'm curious. Uh, insights are coming on a regular basis. Tasks are being created. Who creates these tasks, and how do they get created? So we create them uh, within the quarterly. Uh, well, I guess you know. To be frank, I think one thing's if insights come out, whether it's me and the tool and True Voice or. Anthony being great at what he does and highlighting something. Hey, Colin, I just saw this come through in the survey. Really, you know, interesting. We should jump on this. I will, and the product marketing team will essentially kind of get the groups together that are involved in solving that task or addressing it and form a process of having a kickoff call, going through multiple calls, digging into it, and then reporting out even before the quarterly re report happens the next quarter and then kind of like tackle it that way. So um, I would say, again, we're kind of, you know, the quarterback of the process. So we assign the tasks and then groups go off and execute we maybe you know follow up and see how it's going but we're not necessarily going to be actively involved unless it's related to marketing itself which a lot of these times the insights we get are purely a messaging play or you know a product that we maybe hadn't highlighted recently in a campaign that we know now there's some feedback that 
um, this functionality is really, really cool and people are loving it. We want to highlight that a little bit more. So, um, yeah. So I love this. So there, we've seen this kind of evolution over the years with people's real organizations relationship with data. Historically, it's been, give me data, give me data, give me data. And then it evolved from data to give me insights, give me insights, give me insights. And in today's space, to be very frank, it's moving from, and it's evolving from give me insights to give me recommendations, tell me what to do. And frankly, that puts primary intelligence in an odd space because we're not you, uh, right. right? We're never going to have the tasks on what you ought to do with your business appropriately. Mm-hmm. So the partnership that you're talking about of insight creation and then chewing on, and that's the, the source of what I'm hearing you say is part of the source of inspiration that allows you to create tasks like what Matt did with his sales training. Uh, mm-hmm. when you double down on the sales training, am I, am I following? hundred percent. Yeah. And I think um, I agree with you that it's not on primary intelligence to provide the action recommendation. However, I think you guys do provide awesome recommendations when it's appropriate and we'll take those and burn with it, but we're, you know, we own the business. We know it, it, it in and out. So it's up to us to create the actual tasks, action items out of it. Um, and I would say, you know, that's another huge shift from what we were before maybe a year or two ago is just getting data without the actual insights. Um, and then now we have the insights, we're pro- providing the action items and agreements with you guys. And that's where I think this is really working really well. Peanut butter jelly time. All right. Yeah, so that makes, exactly. that makes good sense to me. So Matt's given an example of, of what you did and, and ran with it. Justin, do you have any examples of potentially insights or tasks that in, in the product world, that, uh, that, that's been inspired by the win-loss insights. Yeah, yeah, I do. So Ryan, like you alluded to, um, in, especially in mature products, change can take a while, right? <laughs> I mean, like true change of, of let's adjust the way this is showing or this UI UX to, you know, to get to this level. However, <clears throat> there's a lot of examples, and I'll focus on a specific one, um, within our like asset management products for cities and counties, there was some loss analysis um, that seemed to be centered about kind of to what Matt was saying, the value of it, but value that I think we could work on on a product side in terms of actual getting more use cases from our customers and doing monthly webinars to make sure even our reference customers were more engaged. So we've turned around and done four straight monthly webinars on our side led by customers in public works. And a big part of that is from what we heard you know, last quarterly one. And, um, you know, that's one of many examples, but all that stuff really helps because it's now going to make your references even better references, you know, when they're thrown out and make these systems can be very configurable. Like a lot of other, I'm sure people listening can describe their products and some of their services. So the more this helped us really zone in and have profitable growth driven objective measures that let us call out why we needed to do that, why we needed to invest time in doing more customer webinars, building more use cases. So I'd say that's that's probably the best example I have recently. Can I just have one more point to that? I think Yes, and QBAT. I think um, the, the other thing it did, especially what Justin was just referring to, is if our rate of losing continues to trend down with a product like he just described, right? And we through our interviews, we find something specific, which by the way, we did. Um, so with our product team and proposals, we figured out that there was a certain requirement popping up in 
I think it was about 85% of the RFPs we were getting. So we decided to go out and identify, maybe it's not something we're gonna build, but someone we can partner with. So we're actually in the process of forming a partnership with someone that fills a gap for us, right? So that actually starts with understanding, you know, how our trends are, right? So it kind of, it all ties back to the last uh, the presentation you guys did as well. So it also creates that type of behavior. So I love that. So if just on a very personal level, I mean, of all the insights that are produced, we, we produce insights, both quantitative and qualitative, um, that, that revolve around four major categories, right? Price, sales, motion, product, and what we call company as a, as a category. And those are things like service and support and deliver what was sold and those types of things. Uh, good provides good references out of all of those insights that we produce. I'm curious, Colin, what are your favorite, what are the most interesting insights to you? Yeah, man. I mean, I know that answer is all of them, but honestly, I think um, I geek out sometimes and I find myself getting lost in True Voice by reading through all these surveys and listening to some of these interviews. But for me, you know, from the marketing perspective, specifically product marketing, the solution stuff is really super interesting to, 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 to listen to and see. And I think like what Matt just talked through, being able to identify gaps in our product from hearing from customers directly and be able to take action on those from a sales enablement perspective, but also product thing is hugely powerful because it, it, it can impact a roadmap, right? I think, um, which is great. Also it's super important, I think is, is company, right? So Mitch just mentioned all the different facets of that, but reputation, which obviously is important to any cor corporation, but also when we talk about referenceability in this industry, it's everything, right? Your, your reputation is everything. So to get insights on that, um, as well as, you know, I think one of the things we ask people is, or get insights on is, um, how do you think uh, Central Square's plan for the future is? And that's like awesome to kind of hear insights about um, where they think we're going and if we're going the right direction and from a, like a really a higher level corporate strategy and business strategy, which um, is super important and exciting. So I'd say those, those are the two areas that I, again, like really dive deep into and find super valuable. How about you, Justin? What do you like the most? What, what's, what's, what's your jam? So of course, solution is like the easy answer of product, right? So I'm going to also focus. So I won't pick that answer. I'll, I'll go to kind of the other one. I'll go with company because to Colin's point, um, it, just a brief background on Central Square a little bit. We're about a little over four years old. However, we're built on legacy companies with great reputations that go a lot longer than four years. So that means a lot in a market like this. And it means something where we can over communicate to current customers and tell them this is even better for you because we're going to get so much more focus on public sector. And we truly believe that. But then it's a different question of how the net new market responds to this. And this is one of our better data points, right? When we have the win loss analysis by company. So it really helps me. I mean, and in product, I would say I also have to view my role in a little bit as general manager too, uh, especially in a company like ours. So it really helps me understand those kinds of things. Um, all four of those are great, by the way. Like even to throw a um, to throw a little bit of a comment at pricing too. Uh, it's incredibly hard to do pricing in our industry. Everybody knows that because it's so hidden and it's like very FOIA driven. Even like you need a Freedom of Information Act pricing. It's in proposals and stuff. So getting even um, a bit more insight into that is so helpful to us. And it obviously helps product because now maybe roadmap decisions deal with reducing cost or something like that, right? So yeah. means a lot, um, all four, but I'm going to say company and pricing. All right. Matt, how about you? What, what What's your fave? 
I think everybody would expect me to say blitzing being sales, but it's actually not. I think that becomes less relevant if you have the other pieces. So, I, you know, I think solution company, you know, I'll, I'll go with these guys. I mean, it's a no brainer in my opinion. And then, you know, as I said, you can, you can, you can charge the premium if you've got the other pieces. So um, yeah, I'll go with Justin and Colin's answers on that for sure. Okay. That's fair. So I, I want to talk about confidence and Matt, I want to stick with you first here uh, because sales, um, you know, we're sales is frontline, man. I mean, it, it, we live and die by sales. And if we don't have our sales, you know, we're, we're, we're cooked. I mean, so the, the organization lives because of sales. So thank you. Um, how do you build confidence in the data with the sales, with the sales team? I mean, it's, it's not always easy to hear some of the stuff that's said. So how do you build confidence in this data? And the data you provide specifically, right? Yes, sir. Referring to, yeah. I mean, so again, I think it circles back to the actions, right? So we're hearing it from a customer. That's where we want to hear it from, right? So it's, it's, it's the voice of the customer um, and making sure that we're, we're looping back and, and addressing what we're hearing because like you, you said it, it's some of this stuff is really hard to hear, right? It's, it almost like pokes holes in what you're doing on a daily basis sometimes, right? And it feels like, well, we're not doing our job because the customer's saying this. So, you know, I, I just want to make sure that we're going back and, and again, just tying it all back and, and taking action uh, on what we are hearing. I don't think, you know, salespeople have pretty, pretty thick skin, right? So they can hear this stuff, but shame on us if we don't actually go do something about it. So it's, to us, it's more about the action after the fact. Okay. So confidence comes from, from knowing the source coming from the voice yeah, right. from your customer and then the actions that you're, that you're driving. That makes good sense. Colin, what would you add? So I would only add, and Matt made a really good point. I think if those out there who are listening are managing a win-loss program, I think it's really important to um, help folks on the calls and on within your cross-medical team realize that this is this truly is not um, meant to be like shots out at anybody in terms of not doing their job or, or, you know, I think it comes really more to light when it's when you're talking about losses, right? I think it, there's no, um, there's no benefit to, to trying to kind of, you know, hammer it home that, that these are issues. And I think it's more what Matt said was focusing more on what are the actions that can come out of this to address it, right? And not putting it on one individual team. Cause I think there's sometimes where um, we'll go through some analysis and maybe it's not the best stuff we want to hear, and it's a little bit cringeworthy, but the reality is we have to hear it and it's got to be transparent. And that's, this is why we're there. And I think as leaders, um, being on those calls, we all have the thick skin that Matt talked about. And also we leave our egos at the door, right? And it's for the benefit of the company overall that we're doing this and that we're participating in it. So if the people are engaged in it, like Matt and, and, and um, Justin are, and they truly believe in the benefit of the program, um, all the noise about maybe some negative things, I think, is an afterthought. It should be, hopefully, um, to really focus in on like our. our we've heard this feedback; it's real because it's from the, the the buyer themselves. Let's go figure out what we needed to kind of rectify it or address it. Or if it's a positive note too, how do we do more of it? Right? How do we double down on that? Um, so I think leaving your egos at the door, making sure you have to get the right people in the room, right, um, that are going to be able to kind of really fully buy into the program is important. So this idea of leaving your ego at the door is such a powerful one. And, and it's, I mean, this is business 101 and for them, from a leadership perspective, right. In anything we do, we need to leave our ego at the door. Otherwise we, we run the risk of leaving, making it about us. And it's not when we're talking about our stuff, it's not about us. It's about the customer. So I love that con phenomenal shout out. So 
I've heard action, action, action. How, okay, let's 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 get there. How do we make these insights actionable? So so this evolution, right? Data to insight to recommendation. How how do we do this? What what do you do internally? What do you recommend to others that might be either just starting in one loss or moving already and how to make it better? How do we make it actionable? I, I do think it comes to these task forces and you can name them whatever you want, deep dives. Um, you know, I know recently um, we took um, a burning questions report that you guys had done first that was fabulous. And we broke it down um, into sales team deep dive with Matt and his team, as well as our PSJ counterparts. We broke it down into a deep dive with Justin and his team and his counterpart on the PSJ side and really spent an hour not going back through what was presented, but some of the questions they might've had from the call. And we had literally identified action items that were gonna be taken coming out of that deep dive. Um, and that's the task force I'm talking about is taking uh, the leader of that particular group. So if it's Matt's group, it's Matt, but also including his directors and their direct reports up to a certain level um, and identifying folks who need to be part of that actionable group. And they can go off um, with guidance, direction, um, follow up from, from my team, but really they own the action from now until when it can be resolved. And we're going to check in the next quarter either way. So if it's a longer process item, like you mentioned in product might be, um, we'll just check in on the progress being made on that particular item. If it's a thing that's been a quick turnaround, um, maybe in the sales side with an enablement session that Matt did within you know a couple of weeks, um, he's going to report out on that earlier, but also in the quarterly report. So it's really these task force that get built out with the right people involved and they are enabled to then go forward and really figure out not only what the action is, but what are the steps needed to actually like take action and who's going to take it. Um, and then we, again, come back and hold each other accountable um, in a positive, you know, professional way. Um, and I think starting those streams is really where my team comes into play. Again, as the quarterback, like I helped set up the kickoff calls, but I'm not going to be driving that particular action. It might be a pricing discussion or pricing issue that the pricing team is going to take and run with. We're just going to make sure you guys are you know, on track. And if you have any questions or need help or need to go back to department intelligence for more insights or more data, like let's do that. Um, just whatever we can do to kind of make, make sure it gets, it gets done. Um, so that's what we've done. It's which worked. Um, yeah. So yeah. it starts with these task force. Um, Justin, from a product perspective, how, how are you actioning, you know, using these task force and then actioning and product? Yeah, so I, I similar to what Colin's saying, all of that flows down that we action very, very specific items. But I would add one thing to that, too. Um, in losses, we've talked a lot about, you know, improving based on the feedback and stuff like that. I think it's also a product team's job to decide, should we be playing there at all? There's a lot of growth drivers that you could have amongst city and county and public sector in general. And we could say, yeah, this is a lot of feedback that tells me this isn't the best market for us. Software is very competitive. It's only getting gotten more competitive. So there's also the actions of let's define our market. And I think that's a huge job of product. And it does go with the egos out the door and the other stuff too with, yeah, that doesn't make much sense for us, but we're killing it over here. The product team also has to, discuss, has to um give a lot of thought and emphasize what's our target market? What are some good customers to go after, right? Um, so that's another, I think, very tangible action, defining our market. Uh, so I love that. And there's certain things that I'm sure that you have to say no to if it doesn't fit within the the parameters of what you're going after. I mean, yeah? Absolutely, right? Like opportunity cost with all of this stuff. And, and, and that could be tough in specific deals or individual deals, but Wholesale, especially with objective data, that no becomes easier 
or becomes more palatable, like I think across the organization. Love that. Matt in sales, how are you actioning? Uh, yeah, so I, I gave the one example, but maybe I'll start with a recommendation as well. And I don't know if this is a requirement of, of you all, but um, get the ELT involved. So they attend these sessions. Preach, right? brother so Matt, if preach. If your executive leadership is on there, it's going to get done, right? Um, and I think people take that very, very seriously. So I guess I would start there. But as, as Justin also said, um, you know, he and I have had some, some tough discussions and made some tough decisions on, on where we should focus, right? And then that circles back to marketing and are we focusing on the right products and why are we losing? And we talked about the gaps. We talked about sales enablement. I mean, it, it, it's impossible to pick one action because, you know, each day there's an action. I think that actually comes along with it. So. Valuable. Thank you. All right, team. So, so thank you for this conversation. I think we've gone through some things moving. Uh, Johnny, should we move to a, a Q and a at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I do have a, a few questions here. Um, if you listeners, if you have any other questions, please drop them into the chat now and we'll just take a couple minutes to answer those. And of course, if you have any follow-up questions after the webinar as well, please reach out to me, please reach out to your CSM. So um, I'm curious, did when we were kind of thinking about this evolution of the program, was there ever a time where there was a struggle to get reps bought in hmm. to, to the program where it is hard to hear sometimes this feedback? Yeah. That, I mean, Matt, I don't know if you want to chime in. I think, um, I think it's, it, it's, it's different by rep, but I think certain reps, I think really dig in and I can think of a handful right now off the top of my head who are literally living in true voice. They want to hear everything. Um, they take that analysis of those insights and they actually like take their own action as a, as a seller um, mm -hmm. to improve themselves. They kind of do their own sales enablement. They don't wait for someone to do it for them. Um, and then I don't know, I mean, there might be other folks that maybe haven't fully kind of engaged yet in the tool, which is on us and our sales enablement team and the sales team to really continue to like really preach the value of the program and make sure people know exactly how to use the tool, how to get in there. Um, the benefits of it so that's my my thought i think it's really dependent on on the rep but matt i'm sure has and no i I'd agree with that i mean it's, it's just it's a great tool it, it, i look at the directors right i look at my directors and i say you know we have the feedback now what right so yeah. on your next team call i expect that we're going to be walking through that feedback and we are coming up with a plan um i haven't experienced anybody pushing back or saying this is complete nonsense that, that just doesn't happen so yeah absolutely not Awesome. Perfect. Um, the next question that we have here is, uh, do you also involve CX in this insight share? Um, or maybe any of like customer experience or anything like that? Yeah, um, we do. So um, customer support for sure, services, um, anybody who touches the customer, um, customer success management is what was a huge part of the discussion as well. Um, so for sure. And I think, um, that's an important stakeholder to have on these calls from the ELT level down hundred percent. Well, part of that task force that you were talking about. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Cool. We've seen, I want to add something here. We've seen some other organizations in, incorporate CX kind of, uh, you know, at multiple layers after win loss. So, uh, during implementation, implementation is a big deal for, for you all, for example, yep. during implementation, and then maybe at the midway mark of the, of the contract, if you have a two or a three year contract doing a check-in using, using true voice as a means of looking at how are things did, 
did you get the, the was the things delivered that was sold to you? Sure. you know, how was implementation? How how is the customer support? And and then that actually impacts the renewal that that up comes. So or that that comes up later. So we've seen that as well. Um, sorry, I just jumped in there with my own <laughs> two bit, my own two cents. I might we might we might use that now. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, there is a question here that says, "Do you have sales battle cards, and is there an automated integration that you guys are currently using?" We do have battle cards. Uh, we do not have an automated integration. Um, so I would say, um, obviously, the insights that we get from primary intelligence absolutely inform and change and evolve those battle cards all, all the time, right? They're mm -hmm. they're constantly evolving. So we do not currently have it integrated um, with anything. It's just, you know, to live on their own. And um, I think in the future, it's a possibility um, to do those uh, integrated into the Salesforce or somewhere else. But for now, they're just um, our own kind of format that we've been using in your own format okay cool perfect all right and then um let's see last question here there's a question that says do you find getting feedback straight from the customer helps it make helps make it more digestible for your sellers um even if it's negative matt <laughs> uh digestible well you know, hey, we'll use the word again. It, it forces them to digest it, right? So, yeah. You know, um, I don't know. That, that, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think they certainly take it more seriously. Can't argue with it. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, again, I think that's the biggest benefit to this, in my opinion, is, is hearing that feedback. So, and I, I think they actually agree with that as well. And that's what do you think when you can play the recording of the live interview that's conducted? It's really impactful because it feels like you're right there in the, the conversation. Yeah. And I think. Um, I'm not a seller, but I could, as a marketer, hearing people talk about feedback, I think helps it kind of get a little bit more ingrained. And you know, the, the feedback surveys are fantastic too, but I think actually hearing those interviews happen in live, live uh, recorded format is, is awesome as well. So. Yeah, that raw voice of your customer is just so, so powerful. Sure. Um, well, awesome. I think that's that's all the questions that I see here. Um, if you do have other questions, listeners, please feel free to to send them to our team. Um, we'll we'll try to get you any answers to them. Thanks, guys. Hey, Matt, Justin, Colin, man, fun, fun convo today. Thanks for thanks for thanks the time for on Friday. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Safe travels, Justin. <laughs>